You want to go here? Sure. Okay. Okay. I'm going to do some things and some stuff. I'm uh, going to do some oh, things man, and some stuff now. <laughs> I'm going to do some things, things and some stuff. Stings and things. Stuff. Stings and things. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going to go here, actually. I know that sounds stupid, but I'm going to go there. Welcome to Which Game First, where we explore the hilariously huge world of board games. Did we find any hidden treasures this week that you've been missing out on? Let's find out. First up this week, we try to figure out what the dinosaur is going on in heck. Next up, we zig to the nectar and zag to the pollen and zip to the finish in Honey Buzz. And lastly, we pull on our tweed blazers with the leather elbow patches to compete in the Oxford Dilemma. I'm your host, Celeste Angelus, here with my decades-long gaming buddies, Ed Povolitis. Hey, it's gaming time. Mike Grenier. You know it. And this week, Joe Unfreed. Let's go. Go! <laughs> yeah, Joe. Our first game up this week is Heck, a tiny card game designed by Jason Anarchy, Published by Jason Anarchy Games in 2019, number of players 2 to 4, ages 14 and up, playtime 15 to 30 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what the heck is in the box. (laughs) On the outside of this tiny cubicle box, you'll meet several endearing and simply drawn snakes in the midst of a party with their adorable and widely varied animal buddies. Inside, you'll see 60 unique snake cards, 40 unique critter cards, 17 heck cards, 15 wooden egg tokens, and 4 tiny player screens. And that's what's in the box. Well, heck, Evan's not here, so... Joe, why don't you tell us how it's played? Heck is a tiny bidding game where you bid tiny wooden snake eggs on tiny snake cards behind tiny screens to earn tiny critter friends. Players are the snakes befriending the cute critters. The game starts with players choosing one of four tiny screens. There's a 90s land party, camping, cheese factory, and Venice. Each player gets three wooden eggs and at the start of each round three critter cards are dealt out for all to see and players each draw a snake card and wager your eggs behind your screen on one or more snake attributes. These attributes are Hiss, Slither, Length, and Chomp. These attributes are used to try and outbid for the friendship of the critters. Alternatively, you can place eggs on the hex space and draw random hex cards which may help or hinder you in a variety of ways. The first player to befriend five critters or three critters with matching catchphrases wins. Well, we got to play this live and in person at my house mm-hmm. because Evan's been busy with a special guest. Isn't that right, Mike? Oh, yeah, we did. My girlfriend came and played <laughs> with us. It was so much fun. Yeah. It is always fun to have your girlfriend come and play. And uh, it's always nice because I she comes up and gives you guys a ride, gives you a ride home, which is nice. Saves me, <laughs> saves me a three-hour round trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but being at Celeste's house, we actually got to have her husband join us. Yay! Yeah. We got yeah. some Joe action. We had some Serena action. It was awesome. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was a yeah. good time. Good time. So 
We played this game because uh, we wanted to play something light and airy. Uh, it's the, it's uh, your girlfriend's speed, which I liked a lot. And mm-hmm. uh, frankly, my speed too. So what did we think of this small, very simple box and what came in it? How were the components? Well, the components were small. Oh, There's all basically <laughs> cards and a few tokens. They kept it real simple. And the art, it's, uh, Ed, it is the webcomic art. The main artwork is from Alec Cohen. Tiny Snack Comics. And then there's a bunch of bonus cards in there as well from a, a wide variety of other small web comics. And I know Joe really liked the little tiny DM screens that came with it. Uh, I like the la- I like the land party screen because it reminded me of Strong Bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the part for the DM screen for me I like it has a summary of the rules, so it not only has the game function of hiding your bid, but you have all the rules as a player aid in the back of the screen. I give them credit because these tiny little screens, like to make a GM screen that's going to work on that scale is pretty impressive. It's got to stand up on its own. Yeah, it was fully functional, but also still included all that cute little snake art. And uh, mm-hmm. each each of the screens had their own little like uh, theme to them too, which I thought was cool. And you hide your secret bid and reveal. <laughs> that's always fun, lifting a screen away to reveal the secret yeah, I bid. Love that. So it is a pretty basic bidding game, right, Ed? Yes, it's a very simple game. You you bid, and whoever gets the most um, eggs on a particular category uh, without tying uh, gets to win the critter of their choice of that type. Yay! Oh, so yeah, so basically you're trying to match the attributes on your snake to the attributes on the critter that you're trying to befriend. Yeah, unless it's purple, which really annoyed me. Oh, well, purple yeah. Purple different thing. Purple is just saying, hey, that's how many heck cards you're going to get. But I have a heck first. It's a heck resolution. Uh, heck resolution. Who else has heck? heck. Me. Oh, you yelled out that you all have heck. Oh. All right. Nice. What's your heck say? We should have put one on heck. Critter swap. That's okay. Critter Discard swap. the three active critter cards and deal three new ones. Uh, Players can still win the newly... Place cards if their bids oh, no. happen to match Bye, any Bubo. of the new cards. Oh, no. Bye, fellow Bubo. All right. That's stinkerific. I got confused a little bit on bidding. I thought you could win the purples by putting a bunch of purples on the by yeah, putting a bunch too. of eggs on your purple egg on the card. So it could have been maybe a it could have been drawn a little bit differently so as not to look just like how the bids look. On the, it's card. on the other side of the card. <laughs> <laughs> my bad, Ed. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, and actually, putting a lot of uh, eggs on your heck does give you a better chance of getting the heck creeper uh, because you get more cards and you get to pick them first. Right, right. So, what did you guys think of the actual heck cards? This is sort of like a random wild card that you can draw by dumping eggs in that. In Pure that chaos. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was there to just throw a monkey wrench into everybody's plans, too. I, yeah. I, absolutely. Now, did you think the monkey wrenches were too repetitive? There wasn't a lot of variety there, but also that kind of gave you the idea that, you know, once you knew that whole heck deck, you're, you're kind of taking a chance at the odds of getting what you needed out of there. So it was chaotic, but there was also some strategy there, too. A little. I mean, basically, it's like you couldn't bid on something, you might as well... Throw everything on your hex and uh, hope for something good, but mostly hope that you your plan destroy everybody else's plans. <laughs> I can't get anything, so I'm gonna burn the whole world down. <laughs> oh, even when I had enough stuff to bid on a specific attribute, 
I would put a bunch on heck anyway, just for funsies to see what would happen. And, and to me, that makes the game just kind of turn into a big chaos ball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it yeah. was. Like, you you could have the best laid plans of bidding. Like, I am a shoe in for this bid to win. And mm. then all of a sudden, you know, you lift it up and 18 hex, hex cards are drawn and they completely blow you out of the water. <laughs> I usually don't like that, but I embrace the chaos in this game. So, Joe, I know you had some problems with their friendship theme. So what, Joe? You didn't think chomping was a good way to impress your critter friend? <laughs> well, it's it's never worked for me. <laughs> You've tried it, I see. <laughs> well, how about how well I hit? <laughs> yeah. It, like, three of the four words are possible verbs, and only one is a dedicated noun. And... <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard of a snake making friends through hissing, and I doubt anyone ever chomped by a snake ever actually found it to improve the friendship or, or start one. <laughs> we don't know what these uh, critters are into. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I came close to getting chomped uh, a couple of years ago. At the, uh, oh, in, oh, by uh, a snake? In the woods. But, yeah. Oh, oh man. man. How, yeah, how'd that go for your friendship with him? Uh, it, it could have, yeah, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think all of those qualities are not exactly things I would consider enhancing to a friendship with snake. Like, the length of a snake, even, the noun there. It's like, hmm, yeah, that very long snake you got there. I think I'm going to stay over here, thank you. I don't know, yeah. length impresses people. <laughs> well, you're not going to get a whole ton of length in this tiny, tiny game. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> So it's clearly like a party game. Uh, yeah. What did we think of? I think with party games, one of the most important things is is length of time <laughs> for play. So what did you think about the play time? Well, for, I noticed that the, no, the game length is very random based on how many hexes people are getting good. As you get critters, like, yay, I'm getting crittered. But those hex cards usually end up getting rid of critters. So like, yeah, you got a couple. Oh, they're gone. Yeah, I got yeah. Oh, no, they're gone. <laughs> and so it has a, a kind of a repetitive feel for me. It's like, oh, can I get enough to get five critters? Uh, no. Well, yeah. when you're choosing the hex, you have a little more control over them. So you're not the one losing creatures as often as everybody else. Yeah, I was frustrated by that. And I do think it limited my appreciation of the game. Yeah, we were kind of playing the game out, but I don't think we took enough time to read the hilarious names of like creatures and the different snakes and stuff because they were pretty funny, like the huggable goop thing or uh, <laughs> there was one called, uh, what was my favorite one? It was like an octopus. I can't remember his name, but um, another one was Abdul Doggins, which was a little tiny dog. <laughs> and uh, I talked about their catchphrases earlier. Um, each one of them says like a little word, like a nonsense word, like flurf or bupo. And uh, you can win the game by just getting three of them that have the same catchphrase. And that was just silly stuff that we kind of didn't pay as much attention to as I thought we could have. Yeah. Okay, explorers, it's time to dig up or bury heck. Mike? The cute snakes and critters paired with the ease of learning and short playtime made this a good warm-up game for practically any group. Dig it up. Joe? I found the artwork whimsically very appropriate for a tiny game like this. I do like the names of the other animals that the snakes are trying to befriend, but somehow my suspension of disbelief fell apart kind of fast. Uh, if the snakes had been genuinely trying to make friends in more generic ways, 
like humor or childlike sincerity, that <laughs> that suspension might have won the day for this game for me. I'm afraid I would have to bury it. Ed? The game is very simple and cute and has snakes. It's a light and thoughtless game. And it may be decent for a warm-up game for some, but for me, the game was just a little too light and a little too thoughtless for even a warm-up game. So I'm going to bury it. I'm afraid I am a bit with Ed here. The cuteness was thin, and I think the humor stopped at those titles, Mike. So (laughs) the play was a little more frustrating than fun, and I'm going to bury it. But if you have thoughts about Hackett and you love it and you're like, what the heck are you guys thinking, WGF? Let us know. Come chat with us. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. What the heck? Hey, everybody. We just want to take a couple minutes here to talk to you about what's going on with which game first. First thing I want to say is we've gotten some new patrons lately. And I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to the patrons. We (laughs) You mean everything to us and we really appreciate you guys supporting the show i hope you're enjoying your exclusive weekly podcast bonus points and every week you know you get if you're a patron of the show you get an exclusive podcast called bonus points that we do every week which is i don't know anywhere between depending on the roll of the dice between (laughs) say 10 and 20 minutes and we talk about Anything we darn well please. It's a nice loose time with us, not edited heavily like this show is at all. Yeah, that mm-hmm. time is more of a guideline than actual rule. <laughs> I know. And we try so hard to stick to it, but it alas, is. some topics deserve more time. Yeah, we are pirates when it comes to that. Thanks, rolling. <laughs> what else is going on, guys? Well, I've been hitting up Instagram a lot lately, of course, I, I, like I do every day. But I learned something uh, recently that's pretty cool, is that I've been talking to a lot of people internationally and there's a little button where you can translate what they're saying on their site so i've been listening to german people and people from mexico and stuff just like learning bits of the language by translating the stuff that they're saying hold up hold up instagram has an has a translation button right built in you mean i don't have to grab it and transfer it to google like that's I've been right doing? <laughs> yeah you can go right underneath certain messages and just hit translate and it'll tell you what the message says in english or whatever language you chose <laughs> no, i didn't know that yeah, it's really cool. The computer Very cool. helping the brain world together. <laughs> so yeah. definitely follow us on Instagram. We're there every day. You can always send us a DM there if you want. And no matter where you are from around the world, follow us. And where else can you follow us, Joe? Follow us on Facebook. Join our Discord by clicking from our website. Yeah, I love talking to people on Discord. I think I do it the most out of anybody. So if you, I think if you, you do. If you want to reach me... Wait, maybe that's maybe that maybe that's a deterrent. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't say that. We're don't worry, I come di- on there too, depending on your flavor. And Ed, we'll Ed, Ed li- yeah, Ed lives on Discord too. Come on, if yeah. you really had to get Ed, you could find him there. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm on Discord fairly often too. Yep. <laughs> what else is going on? Well, we have game night every Thursday night where we could watch and fumble with technology and the game at the same time, trying to multi-stream the gaming universe. Multi-stream. This this week was so brutal. Oh, God. Sound on. Sound off. Sound on. Sound off. Yeah, we're trying to reach you guys on so many different platforms that it's, uh, it's starting to trip over each other. But that's because we love you so much. 
<laughs> We're trying to decide whether to even bother with Instagram because it's in the portrait mode and our show is in landscape. Yeah. So if mm-hmm. you if we do it on Instagram, they can only see like half of the screen (laughs) so we don't even know it's worth it but we're thinking about it right now we're on youtube we're on our twitch channel and we're on facebook live all at once you can comment on any of those feed streams and we will see it as we're on the show it even pops up on twitter that's true oh yeah that's right twitter too it's everywhere like savoir faire Yeah, it's just sometimes though that the get thing crossed over. It's got the wrong name on it. Sometimes just ignore that until I stop it. <laughs> it's so bad. We are so all right. Yeah. We are still newbies when it comes to this stuff. Total noobs. We but, will uh, get it though. We will. We're getting the hang of it. We love it a lot. It's just a time when we can spend some video time with our fans, mm-hmm. and oftentimes now it's with the designer of the game uh, joining us or somebody, some other fun guest. So see us there. Yeah. yeah, thanks, designers. Help us out. Tell us yeah. how to play your game. We love having you guys. All right, everybody. Thanks. Our next game up this week is Honey Buzz, designed by Paul Salomon, published by Elf Creek Games in 2020. Number of players, one to four, ages 10 and up. Playtime, 45 to 90 minutes. Okay, Mike, tell us what's in the box. <laughs> On the beautiful cover of Honey Buzz, we join the industrious bees and their animal friends enjoying a day at the Honey Fair. Inside, you'll find two game boards, four player boards, 79 hive tiles, 40 wooden worker bees, 26 order cards, 28 squishy honey tokens, 60 coin tokens, 12 queens contest cards, 24 nectar tiles, 4 fan tokens, 1 honey dripper token for first player, 15 pollen tokens, 11 solo contest cards, 4 foraging tokens, 12 configuration cards, and 4 player aids. And that's what's in the box. But wait, order now and get live bees in the box. <laughs> wow. that's a, <laughs> It's a shame that that was their Kickstarter and a couple people got their delivery kind of late. So it was Aww. sad. Be sure and shake the box right before you open it. They love that. <laughs> Well, before we see if this game is as sweet as it claims, oh, Joe, my honeybee, please tell us how it's played. The bees have discovered economics. The queens believe that if they (laughs) sell honey to the bears, badgers, and woodland creatures, they will find peace and prosperity. Spring has arrived, and it's time to build the hive, find nectar, make honey, and for the first time ever, set up shop. Honey Buzz is a worker bee placement game where players expand a personal beehive by acquiring various honeycomb tiles that grant a variety of actions. Whenever a tile is laid so that it completes a certain pattern, a ring of actions is triggered in whatever order the player chooses. A tile could be triggered up to three times depending on how the player places their beeples and builds their hive. After all, in the honey business, efficiency is queen. As you continually expand your hive, you'll forage for nectar and pollen, make honey, sell different varieties at the bear market, host honey tastings, and attend to the queen and her court. There's only so much nectar to go around, and finding it won't be easy. Players will have to scout out the nectar fields and pay attention to other players to try and deduce the location of the nectar they need for themselves. At the end of the game, the player with the most honey money is the winner. (laughs) 
the honey money. Oh, I gotta go make that honey money. Honey. Sweet <laughs> honey. Oh my gosh. All right. So this game, we played this game in person at my house. Oh, yes. And we got it in the very old school, first year, which game first way of an impulse buy by Ed. Ed, you just picked this game up on the way to my house. Yeah, it did. It was, uh, I was at the game store, as I sometimes do when uh, it's uh, allowed. And, uh, <laughs> uh, looking around, looking for something that's, uh, you know, something different to play. And I saw this game on the shelf and it said 100% pure organic strategy. <laughs> it has a cute art on it. So I was like, you know what? This might be all right. That strategy and cute art it might be good for everybody, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it does, I will admit, some unique components. Oh, yeah. I mean, squishy honey. Come on. Yeah. That was a mind blower. It's a silicone component for the honey, which is which makes it feel sort of squishy, rubbery. Um, and, and it was an immediate I want to touch because so rare that you don't get a hard plastic or hard wood component. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a good thing Evan wasn't there because he likes to eat components that look like candy. And these are the most candy looking <laughs> components I've seen in a game yet. Yeah, I mean, you could have easily mistaken those for uh, gummies. Yeah, gummy bears. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but I want to say this, guys, specifically about the bees, okay? There's a bee, bee component. Bolt! Oh, my God. <laughs> yes, beeples. Yes, beeples. But I'm sorry. To me, those beeples looked more like B-52s than Aww. bees. <laughs> I don't know, I saw a bee there, but maybe they're in, they're in squadron. They're ready to bumble upon the uh, the nectar field and gather up the honey because the market is war. Ah. <laughs> I can almost hear the tracks of fresh air in ancient future. This experience of this entire game is so tranquil. The multicolored wooden worker bees are so wholesome and sweet, just like the yummy honey they create. This game is a profound step into Nirvana, Elysium, and the Hundred Acre Wood. Oh, my God. Wow. So you really like the setting. (laughs) Well, don't get between me and the wildflower, honey. He was the wildflower king in this game. He had three of them going at the same time. Oh, and he definitely did that because he actually does love wildflower, honey. This guy consumes (laughs) an alarming amount of honey. Mm. Wait, so you're saying it wasn't a strategy? It was just because you liked that flavor? It was an impulse. (laughs) An impulse. It'll serve you well. I remember you um, producing lots and lots of honey in this game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it definitely served him well. Unlike me, um, (laughs) I mean, I just got, I was very confused by the portion of this game that is the spatial puzzle. So tell us, Ed, you think this game is 50-50, right? Oh, well, I mean, there's just so many game mechanics in it, but one of them is the spatial puzzle. And I love that bit because you're trying to get the right configuration to get the kind of nectar you're thinking you're going to get. And then you have to put your little action symbols next to those nectar spaces so you can trigger actions, action explosion. (laughs) It kind of gave me this robo rally feel where you're trying to make certain shapes of hives to make certain types of uh, nectar. But they did have a clever mechanic for being able to tell what was going to be produced there. On the inside of the little like uh, hive cell tiles that you place down, they had a color on a couple of the edges. And depending on what color configuration you had on the inside, it would tell you without having to look at the shape what kind of nectar would be produced in there. 
that was a lifesaver for me because yeah. I could not figure out these shapes. I felt like I was back in fourth grade where they're giving me some <laughs> kind of like, I don't know, weird like um, Rorschach test or something. Like, what am I supposed to see this shape? How is this formed? So when you you can focus just on that one cube in the, that one hex in the, what is it, a hex? A pentagon? Yeah, the hex. Yeah, yeah hex that one the- hex in the middle and and the colors around it. But I had the same trouble you did, Mike. Even the colors on the inside of that weren't quite different enough mm-hmm. to, yeah. to make it really easy to figure out how to make the shape. I kind of found in general the colors in this game were, although they were a beautiful color palette that went really well together, it seemed like a lot of them were very close to each other. So you couldn't just quickly glance at the board and tell what was supposed to be happening. They sacrificed function for form. Yeah, for me, I was focusing on the the honeycomb red part. So it's like, is it fully red? Yeah, that's the wild honey. If it's like (laughs) red on each side, that's a cherry blossom. If it's got like a a seed shape, yeah, that's your, um, I forget what color it was, but yeah. And if it's like mostly mostly yellow, but only a little red, that's your hardest stuff to make the acacia. As we moved toward the ending of the game, though, the the supplies started to dry up. And you mean the nectar field, right? Yes, the field. So we're flying around, right, buzzing around, trying to collect the, the stuff to build out our hive. And eventually that those resources dry up. And that's where the game started to get a little frustrating for me. Yeah, it kind of made me sad that there wasn't... I had open spaces in my, uh, in my honeycomb, but there wasn't the kind of honey that would have fit into there anywhere left on the, on the foraging board. There's a couple of races going on in the game. One of them is the race for nectar. There's only so much of it in the field, so you're trying to forge the way out there and put it in the spot that you made, hoping that A, you got there before the other bees, and B, that you got there a space to actually put it there when you get it. So what what did you think, Joe, about the two sort of pieces of the game where you've got the race and then the puzzle? I think they complemented each other very well. You don't feel like you're playing two different games. Everything seems really linked together between those two things, and it gives you something else to pay attention to. Yeah, it's all interdependent. Yeah. Yeah, there are six kinds of honeycomb tiles that you can be placing on your board that do different types of actions, and the way you get them is putting your bees there, and depending on the number of bees that you have will determine the number of actions you have. But if you're trying to go somewhere that somebody else has already gone, you need to have one more bee. So if somebody puts one bee, you have to put two bees and then three bees to go to that specific spot. So paying attention to what everybody's doing and when they'll have to collect their bees back again is really important because you can time it so your actions are super efficient. Yeah, I know you love trying to go for that efficiency and your noise like, ah, I can't <laughs> quite get it the super efficient way. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm i usually the worst, but this time Celeste was even more. She had the most bees, but she did not want to ever put two bees if she didn't have to, even though she had like five more bees than the rest of us at one point. Right. I, I went for that bee strategy and I regret it because... <laughs> um, it's just not my style. It actually gave me too many choices. You know, mm-hmm. if I had a limited amount of bees, I would have just had to go where, wherever it was open, you know, mm-hmm. and make the best of it. Um, so I think that would have been better for me. If you're choice oriented, then I would say go for the bees first. Yeah. And I think one area where there's a lot of competition is the market itself. 
there's a little bit of a push-pull there because you can stockpile stuff and sell things for mad loot. But <laughs> if somebody beats you to the market and lowers the price on you, now you didn't get quite as much. Yeah, I, I always like to maximize how much stuff I can sell at once, and I got beat out a couple times. Oh, yeah. I, I By the end, I was really struggling to find something to do you know it was it was basically just okay there's nothing else to collect so now i just got to kind of produce where i can and i i it, it almost felt like a third act that went on a little too long to me okay explorers it's time to dig up or bury honey buzz ed i enjoyed building a honeycomb of action to trigger while racing to get my honey to the market while the price is right i'll dig this up for my next buzz of honey <laughs> Joe? The artwork, the honey drops, the various game pieces, they all go beyond pretty. They're relaxing, serene, bucolic. I not only enjoyed this game, I feel compelled to dig it up. Mike? Although the end game was a kind of anticlimactic, this game had my strategic mind buzzing. I'd risk getting stung by playing it again. So dig it up. As pretty and high quality as everything was, I found the theme a little light and the play a little perfunctory. So for me, not my cup of honey tea, so I'll bury it. If you have thoughts about the lovely game Honey Buzz, please let us know. Buzz Buzz over to Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Our last game up this week is Oxford Dilemma. (laughs) No designer. No designer. (laughs) Well, by an uncredited designer, I guess. I mean, somebody designed it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was published did by... They, though? <laughs> Come on. Come it didn't on, just crystallize. I mean... <laughs> published by Smart Egg Games Limited. In very limited in 1998. Number of players, two to six. Ages 12 and up. Playtime, 90 minutes. Okay, Mikey, tell us what is in the Oxford Dilemma box. The cover of this box is just the head of an old-timey guy with a pained look on his face, misspelling the word dilemma, plastered on kind of a tan background with some ships and a windmill or something. It's (laughs) really random. Yeah, so random. random. (laughs) When you crack the spine of this box, you'll find a game board, two white six-sided dice, a black six-sided die with the numbers one, two, and three on it, six pawns. 400 spelling cards, 100 for each category. Oof. Yeah. 26 alphabet cards, 24 demerit cards, 24 credit cards, not credit cards that you swipe, but (laughs) cards that give you credit, I guess. I don't know. Um, Six student loan cards, six wild cards, six reference cards, and a stack of paper money. And that's what's in the box. Joe, quick, spell critique. C-R-I-T-I-Q-U-E. Okay, before we critique this game, Joe, tell us how it's played. Oxford Dilemma is a Monopoly-style spelling bloodbath. At the start (laughs) of a turn, a player will roll the two movement dice that send you around a square board with ten spaces per side, as well as a special level of difficulty die that determines the question asked on a card. The main mechanic of the game consists of landing on letter spaces of one of four colors. The player to the left of the active player draws a card of the appropriate color, reads a word of the difficulty level indicated by the difficulty die. The player then has 60 seconds to spell it correctly. 
If they succeed, they get the dollar amount listed on the card and may choose to buy the letter of the space they're on. If they misspell it, they pay the amount to the scholarship fund. In an optional rule, the players can earn bonus dollars by being the first to correctly identify the word by its definition or description. You can turn in letter cards that spell words to obtain more money. The longer the word, the higher the multiplier. Other spaces on the board include demerits, credits, and even a spot to win a scholarship jackpot. The game ends when a player reaches $10,000 or when all but one player has been eliminated. Uh, <laughs> player eliminated! Okay. Player right. elimination right there. Ugh, check. Possibly, I'm just going to say it before we get into it, possibly, <laughs> no, definitely the most brutal and unforgivably long player elimination I've <sighs> ever experienced. I mean, you could be eliminated hours before this game is done. <laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, I. So I, when I looked at the board, I saw a combination of roles that could happen, which would eliminate you. And I predicted that I would hit that combination of roles during the game. And, of course, (laughs) with the Nostradamus-like accuracy, well, no, even more accurate than Nostradamus, it happened to me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Six. Level one. It actually has a silent PH in the middle. Somebody go to the detention hall. Another six after this. So here it says, miss your neck turn and pay $500 to the scholarship fund. (laughs) Come on. Terrible. So I lose my next turn? It says, uh, miss neck turn and pay $500 to scholarship. Come on. Lose my next turn? Uh, but is that really a detriment? <laughs> I had yeah. to watch you guys play, which is even worse. Well, I got through that. Ed, well, Ed was looking at you jealously, Mike, <laughs> that you had been a li- He was. He was like, how can I get out of this? Dude, how can I get Ed, out of this? Ed was throwing his money in before even trying to spell the word. <laughs> and then Celeste was like, come on, Ed, at least give it a try. And he got three letters in after he reluctantly tried. And then she just mocked him mercilessly. <laughs> yes that was the best come on ed you could do it just give it a nope that's not it (laughs) (laughs) so rude yeah so the player elimination brutal it is a spelling bloodbath i think joe nailed it my least favorite part of this game right was the proper nouns. Oh, you have to spell on. proper nouns. Now, wait a minute here. Just just hold on a minute. Wait, that wait. was the worst part? Yeah. Go ahead, Joe. Among other bad parts. Go ahead. State your case, Attorney Unfreed. <laughs> okay. Since when did Piscataway, Ronkonkoma, and Spite and Dival... How, why do anyone who lives in any of those places care who gets lost on the Garden State Parkway? Aren't those all proper <laughs> nouns? <laughs> Spite and Dival. Imagine you you're not from like the area and you try to spell that word. I mean, come on. Why would you know that? I think Mikey's was the best where there was just two ways to two correct ways to spell it. Oh. And he spelled it the wrong correct way. Yeah, oh my god. So, yeah, that was Ma- Madame. It was like her name was like Madame de Fleuray or something like that. I spelled everything right including the word madame, which I don't know why I had to spell that part of it since other ones leave off that part. But I spelled it correctly, looked it up online, it was spelled correctly, but on the card it was spelled the other way. Even though, you know, some cards have the two different ways to spell a thing if there are two different ways. 
But not this card. <laughs> not Madame. Nope. Because the person spelt it that way, right? Which I get. I get that that's the way the person whose name it was spelt it that way. You would just have to know that person and how they spelled the name. I mean, how specific is yeah. that? But like, even so, Madame isn't part of her actual name. It's her title. You know, if if somebody spelled King, K-Y-N-G, you know, it's like King George. If he spelled it with a Y, I shouldn't have to spell King the way he spelled it. Come on. But if you know King George, you know he spelled it with a Y. So, hey. <laughs> right, exactly. Know your trivia. And of course, we <laughs> took the optional trivia part in this game. It was optional. But we, mm-hmm. we decided on it for extra hardship. Of course. Of course. <laughs> and what was that extra piece we added? You had to get the actual word. It was a trivia bar. You get the definition of the word and you had to try to guess what the, the word it is that the definition relate to. And then spell it. Otherwise, it could just be a spelling game. Well, if you didn't have that, then people would be spelling the homonyms. I know. They would totally be spelling the homonym. I think mm-hmm. that you were supposed to just read out the definition to help them. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But like some of those definitions were so close to each other. Two of the cards were and what was it? A dormant volcano in South America was the first part of the clue. And then there was like a little bit more to it. So, I mean, two different questions with a different dormant volcano in South America? Well, what, what one do- dormant and the other one active? I don't know. Yeah, one was dormant oh, well, one was active. I, are you yeah, sure about oh, that? Yeah. All right. See, Mike, come on. I mean, come on. Give this game a break. It deserves <laughs> it. Not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, 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 actually did, I actually did check those. I, I thought it would be... Uh, Easy to be caught in it if I was wrong and said, oh, there were two dormant volcanoes. No, they, they, there was only one. <laughs> and Joe, what did you think about this whole Monopoly board and having to move around it during this spelling game? Well, the move around the board, which reminds the lowly freshmen of more Darrow-esque games, <laughs> is there to give players a false sense of security. Think of your teachers and deans all being just like John Hausman in the paper chase, setting snares and pits for the unwary. Even as he speaks. <laughs> the idea seems to have been to construct an artificially persnickety academic environment based on a merciless perversion of Monopoly. Wow. Joe right. took the time to write that out just to make sure he got his feelings perfect. For me, it was like, yes, Monopoly, yes, I can go bankrupt. Yes, the way out of the game. Let <laughs> I me mean, roll and try to lose my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that Joe, wasn't hard. You were so relieved when you got eliminated. But I love how Joe just allegoried the board to a freshman at the University of Oxford <laughs> being so confused and set mm-hmm. up to fail by their uh, by their professors. I love that. Yeah, the deans of Trinity are laughing their butts off. <laughs> I give you respect for yanking a theme out of this. Yeah, out of this game, I really do. Yeah, it uh, took a lot of extra work to actually come up with a theme for this game. Okay, now on top of spelling words, right, mm-hmm. you also can build words by buying letters. And mm-hmm. you can only buy, if somebody else already owns that letter, you can't buy it again. That letter can only go around once. Well, you can steal it from somebody if you land on that lettered space and get the spelling right. You actually take that letter that they paid for and you pay, pay the money to them. But why only one letter? Per yeah. alphabetic letter. Like, why can't everybody buy an E? Why can't you buy multiple E's? It totally limited the amount of yeah. words you could build. You know why? Because they didn't want to print up extra E cards. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's why. My first two letters were J and Z. 
So, yeah, and you can't but, spell jazz with that, can you? No, you can't. But in the end, I did I did get Fez. Fez, that was a good point. A lot of points for that, right? Yeah. yeah. But you could only use one of each letter. What kind of word building game is that? Well, I think you could use more than one, right? And But you just didn't get points for the extra uses of that letter? Oh, really? The more letters you put into a word, the more it multiplies it. But if you put a, a second E or something like that, you won't get the points for multiplying it for four letters. You just get three letters. What? So you yeah. can use letters that you didn't buy? So no, basically you have you to could buy, buy it. No, no, no. You have to, like, if I own O, I can spell B-O-O-K, but it'll only count as a three-letter oh. word because I used the O twice. Oh, it helps a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A little bit. Yeah, and only five spaces on the board are vowels, right? So <laughs> yeah. spelling words becomes real tricky with that in so, mind. I mean, it was a perfectly great word-building game ruined. Like it, <laughs> The playtime of 90 minutes is baloney. It is baloney, and especially if you're eliminated in the first 15 minutes and you're watching <laughs> other people play for another hour still or more. <laughs> well, that playtime is not on the box. That's from Boy Game Geek, but I think that just for... How long it takes for people to give up on the game? <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a stretch, but yeah, I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> give up time, ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Submission time, ninety minutes or less. <laughs> if you go bankrupt once, you have to take out a two thousand dollars student loan that charges you ten percent interest every time you roll the dice. So yep. it's hard to dig your way out of that loan because you're losing money from misspelling as well as you go around the board. So, ah. Uh, Brutal. <laughs> yeah, that bankruptcy wasn't bad enough. We had to give you double bankruptcy. <laughs> We're crippling debt. Because yes. yeah. everybody loves student loans. The realistic oh, college yeah. experience, crippling debt. Yeah. yeah. Plus, this game was a punch in the temple because I always prided myself on being a good speller. And <laughs> yeah. this game was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. It really did separate the men from the boys when it came to spelling. Oh, yeah. yeah, spell ungundwewe. <laughs> Like, <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, at least Ed went into it with no illusions about being a good speller. <laughs> I went in with with illusions to be crushed. Um, I, I, I'm actually a good speller, and I, I did a good job with the spelling and the trivia part, but my dice rolls just bankrupted me yeah. without any, you know, without any failures really on the board. Yeah. Joe Unfried was the only one who walked out with the dusting off of the shoulders after the explosion and survived this spelling bloodbath. Well, yeah. Plus, he hit the space that's like the tuition jackpot or whatever it's called, where, you know, he won six of the $10,000 he needed to win on that one space. Yeah. Thank goodness. Joe was like a gladiator in the arena. Are you not entertained? (laughs) (laughs) I know. know It was kind of like a one man game. I was trying. I was trying to keep up. But you guys were stuck watching me and Joe play for like 45 minutes. Oh my God. It was brutal. (laughs) Okay, explorers. It's time to dig up or bury Oxford Dilemma. Hmm. Let me think. Who am I going to go to first? Ed? Let me see. We got Monopoly, <laughs> a trivia, and spelling all at once. And it gets special notice for making player elimination feel like a gift. <laughs> Bury it. I'm supposed to follow that? <laughs> Mike? <laughs> this game checked all the boxes of brutality for me. <laughs> Crippling debt. Player elimination with a simple dice roll and watching other people have fun 
while you sit back and cry. <laughs> so I just have to say, bury it. Joe? While the rest of you are languishing in the slow lane under your dunce caps, <laughs> I'll be digging this up. <laughs> okay, quick, guys. Spell the word convoluted because that's what this game is. Way too much extra junk going on and ruining a perfectly good spelling and word building game. Unfortunately, bury it. If you have thoughts about Oxford Dilemma, spelling words, monopoly knockoffs, or the pain of moving around a dice-dependent board, let us know. We are at Witch Game First on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Discord. Check out our videos on YouTube. We'd love to hear from you. And that brings us to the end of our show. If you want special perks and extra content, including exclusive episodes of bonus points bonus points you can get them for just three dollars a month just go to our website and click on become a supporter today and if you get a chance please leave us a like a rating a review a heart a star a balloon i don't know a puppy dog (laughs) a kitten whatever they're doing these days on any of your podcatchers or anywhere else you could rate us that would really help us with the show join our chat on our discord server we're at which game first on social media we're all over it we love to hear from you happy gaming explorers all the peoples are buzzing how many a's are in the word lame (laughs) i want you all to study extra hard (laughs)